Welcome to Entrepreneur Decoded, the show which reveals the habits, fears, failures, and joys of today's most inspiring and successful entrepreneurs seven days a week. Now, here's your host, Simon Sander. Are you ready for another great guest? Let's get into the show. With me today is Yaro Starak. Welcome, man. Hi, Simon. Thanks for having me. Yaro is the author of the blog Profits Blueprint and founder of entrepreneursjourney.com blog. He began blogging over 10 years ago and has taught thousands of other bloggers how to make full-time income from blogging. Today, he continues to travel with his laptop, blogging from cafes around the world. Yaro, as an entrepreneur, what is one thing you would teach everyone in the world? Everyone in the world. Wow. <laughs> That's an important uh, question. Right. Um, <laughs> very important question. I mean, everyone in the world, I, I probably wouldn't even be uh, talking business. I'd probably be saying, you know, do unto, the, the old do unto others as you do unto uh, yourself. That would probably be one of the most important lessons. But if you want me to give you a more business answer, um, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd say, Really, uh, you know, focus on what your customer wants. That's that's always the the area where we never can get enough information. So those are my two answers. That is an interesting approach to this question. And could you expand on the entrepreneurship side a bit? Yeah, sure. So, you know, as business owners and entrepreneurs, the most important thing we can know is an intimate understanding of where the target customer is coming from and, and what they desire. And there's always a gap between your knowledge of what that truly is uh, and what and you know what you believe it is. So the closer you can bridge that gap, the better everything about your business will be. You know the marketing will be better, the products you create will be better, and all of that will lead to obviously better customer satisfaction, more customers as well. And it's actually one of the greatest challenges I face uh, teaching my clients because. People, especially you know, new entrepreneurs, are so inwardly focused. They're thinking about what they know or what they want to make. It's all about them. And then they might learn about this idea of studying what your potential customer wants, but they never really do it to a depth that gives them an intimate understanding. And what I, what I mean by that is, there's an emotional context behind every purchase. So, you know, a person, uh, you know, from, from a business standpoint, it's just a transaction. You buy a book to learn something, you, you know, buy a product to solve a problem. But the human being who's experiencing that problem or, or has a desire to gain knowledge, there's some sort of emotional need behind it, you know, whether it might be, uh, you know, if you're in the dating market, you might say, well, the guy just wants to have sex with a girl, but, you know, deep down, there's way more story there there's all of his experiences growing up there's his you know with any girlfriends or relationships he's had there's how his parents treated him what kind of relationship his parents had all these sort of discussions going on in his head um maybe someone who's for example looking to purchase a product on how to get rid of a, a, a chronic back pain you know so that has a story too it's like what do they feel every time they wake up in the morning how do they describe the problem how do they feel it stops their life from having certain experiences so all these kinds of intimate understandings emotional context you can't really know that until you spend a lot of time studying your potential and, and then eventually your actual customers and that's a that's an ongoing process i'm still doing it today but unfortunately a lot of new entrepreneurs 
do a very shallow effort of that research process. Yeah, it's so important to make it about your customer. We love actionable advice and tips here at Entrepreneur Decoded. What's your approach on making it all about customer? Is it email outreach, talking one-on-one with potential customers, or what is your approach? Well, yeah, all of those things. Certainly, uh, in my experience, the only way to truly know about a customer is actually to have one or, or many uh, and then and then have as an intimate uh, an interaction as you can with them. That's why I think for new entrepreneurs doing this, obviously, I'm going to kind of construe this to my world. You know, I, I, I blog and I teach people how to sell digital teaching products, training products. And, and that's very much a, a coaching, teaching world. And that's what most of my students do as well. So for us, the best type of learning is almost always in some kind of either face-to-face or at least voice-to-voice, like we're doing a conversation. Um, privately is, is very effective, but groups work as well. You know, a workshop, a boot camp, um, you know, some private coaching over Skype. Those are great starting points. I don't think anyone wants to stay there. At least, I mean, some people love that stuff, but personally, you know, I find that draining. It's hard to scale. Uh, you want to, you know, eventually have digital training products, but they're obviously hands off. You don't learn much about a customer by saying, "Here's my my videos. Go watch them." So the the co- coaching you do when you talk one on one, especially if you're in that mindset of not just I want to solve their problem, which is important, but also I want to hear them. Uh, to to learn about their problem, and there's a lot of uh, interesting things about doing you know private coaching or any kind of interaction face to face. You know, if you ask someone, oh, what is your problem? They'll tell you what they think it is. But if you actually have a more ongoing dialogue and and listen to them say, you know, what's their life like now? How this problem has affected them? What they're trying to do? Just really get a full spectrum picture of the situation. Now, you'll learn what the problem is without them necessarily directly saying what it is. It's way more uh, kind of holistic, I guess, into their life and how it integrates into their life. So literally having a conversation is the only way you'll ever get that level of detail and that little. I mean, it's a human interaction, so it has to be human to human. The the challenge is you have to get it with a customer, because if you get it with someone who's never bought before, you're only getting assumptions like someone will tell you what they think based on whether they might buy a product but until they have to take out their wallet and actually spend money you can't really judge that information as wholly accurate because people say they'll buy something and then they won't when push comes to shove so when you're actually speaking to people who have bought from you then you have that necessary ingredient they've already spent money they're there to get help you have the opportunity to really learn where they're coming from so actually to all my new students who are kind of just getting started and they they have an idea they feel like they know where they want to help people they know what kind of uh, products and services they're thinking about i always recommend going first with some kind of private coaching dialogue because you don't know enough about the real needs of that audience you do a lot of private coaching and you consult a lot of entrepreneurs in the industry. What are some mistakes you see constantly? Oh, there's so many. Uh, you know, people, uh, I mean, a lot, all of it really comes down to uh, fear, which often comes down to, uh, you know, inexperience and lack of self-esteem and any kind of limiting beliefs and blockages that people have, have built up from, from their life, you know, from living and, and that's a hard thing to get past initially because it's almost like you're doing therapy with people. And, you know, you can say it's easy. Just go 
create this online, you know, go through these steps to build the website and get the traffic to get the customer and also go through these steps to, you know, do the research and find out more about them. But there'll be these limitations like I'm not good at technology. So they kind of stumble around and never get anything set up. Uh, or they might say, well, you know, I haven't got the, the confidence yet to go out there and actually make an offer of something for sale. So there's some kind of you know, limiting belief about whether they can even sell anything. Or, uh, you know, there, there's the, the situations that each unique individual faces. You know, I, I find that a lot of life experiences tend to impact some people where, you know, they've, they're retired or of that maybe in their 50s or 60s. And they've gone through a life where they haven't really done exactly what they wanted to do. They've kind of done what they needed to do to make money. They might have had a career or several jobs, but now they want to create something that they really, really feel passionate about and, and want to make much better money from it. So they have to completely change their entire ingrained mindset from you know half a, half a century of potentially living a life to become almost like a different person. And there's a real disconnect because when they go online looking for entrepreneurship ideas and advice, the predominant message they receive is you can make money while you sleep, sitting at the beach with the laptop, all you need to do is set up a website and away you go. So they tend to get caught up on uh, it's it's just building the website and, and, and some sort of secret that all, people who already make money know about. And they start doing this and they put up a website and they put up a landing page and maybe they even you know put up some kind of product sales page, but then no one shows up and they don't get a single sale. And you know, they really they kind of feel like they're missing something, like there's almost something being held back from them, some kind of secret knowledge. But really it's just they haven't gone out and done any marketing or they've done very little marketing and really and this is something that's not really talked about openly because it just wouldn't make sense if you go talk about it but it takes a hell of a lot of marketing a hell of a lot of traffic to actually get customers and start growing a business so you have to figure out marketing and that's not a natural skill most people are born with there's a lot of people who are creative passionate people who love the idea of helping people love the idea of creating products and selling their products even people who are technical, you know, they might be able to create software and create websites and go out there and sell that. The actual marketing process of, you know, being a representative of their brand, doing, you know, traffic conversion, looking at their metrics, creating relationships to form joint venture partnerships, all with the hope of selling what they sell. That's not a native skill for most human beings. You know, it's a sales skill. So there's a big stumbling block there transitioning from not just idea creator to actual marketer and salesperson. You talked about fear and limiting beliefs. And I think it's such an important topic because every entrepreneur has felt those feelings. It's important to be aware of them and just let them go. I think it's a perfect segue to next topic, which is failure and hardships, because being an entrepreneur isn't always easy. I want you to look back on your journey as an entrepreneur and pick a story of failure and how you came that. Yeah, well, I'm no different. Like all those stumbling blocks I talked about, I, you know, I talk about them from knowing all my, my coaching clients over the years, but also my own early days. You know, I spent five to six years building my own websites and uh, it, it was earlier days, so there weren't as many 
I guess, teaching tools and coaching tools. I didn't have people to look up to quite the same as we do now and, and follow. But even so, you know, five, six years of a person who's not, I'm not a programmer. I'm not, you know, I don't have the, the mind for, for coding, yet I taught myself HTML and, you know, struggled to build these table-based websites in, in the early 2000s, which I did. And, and I, I had success, you know, <laughs> my first two websites I built myself, they made money. And uh, that was my, the start of my online career. But today, the amount of time I put in to build those websites could have been reduced by 90% by simply hiring someone, which obviously, you know, for the last decade, I've, I've worked with people who actually build my websites now and make all the technical changes. And I just say point and change that, move that here, you know, and that's much more effective than me trying to figure out how to make one little line, a, a line up with another line using a, a, an HTML table. You know, obviously there's better tools now to do that, better coding tools, but um, you know, that was a mistake that I, I probably of all the things I ever did wasted the most time um, that and then there's other, always other areas like, you know, being afraid to spend money. Like I think most of us when we're getting started and our finances are limited, uh, no matter how many times we hear that advice, go hire someone to do the things you're not good at. We don't want to take that advice because money is like air you know we, we just needed to survive so to spend any of it on something that we might possibly be able to do ourselves just seems like a silly idea which is why i spent five years doing pretty much all the technical stuff myself or doing everything myself really you know customer service i created all the things that we sold so i think if i could do it again to just get into my head the idea, and this is a hard idea to believe, but spending some money to get help will actually help you make more money quicker than doing it yourself. It's just hard for someone who's trying to hold on to every penny because they need it to, you know, just get their life going to convince them to spend a few hundred dollars a month on help because they just see that as money going away, not money that's actually going to turn into more money quicker because you're going to do more quicker. You're going to have more growth in your business quicker because someone's helping you, which frees you up to do the things that create value as well. And that's a lesson that took me a long time to learn, a long time to experience. I'm still in, in some ways experiencing it because, you know, I could hire probably way more people than I do now and, and, and grow quicker if I was of that kind of mindset. So there's always levels to these things. I can resonate with that. Creating a website 10, 15 years ago, it was such a headache getting those lines perfect in HTML, picking that color for your front page. It just took a lot of time. And now that WordPress is around, it's so much more easier. I didn't realize that I could have outsourced a lot of the work. Let's talk about hiring somebody when you know that something takes a lot of time for you. What are your thoughts on that, Yaro? Well, day one, I mean, I don't know many people who start a new business where tech is their strong point, you know, and I... I I, even if it's just spending $100 to get your website set up, you know, get get the WordPress installed, get the, the nice theme done, you know, make sure the domain name's working correctly. So that all you have to do is log into your WordPress control panel and start publishing content. You know, and then the same thing when it comes time to sell your product, get someone else to set up the shopping cart, the checkout, make sure it's working with uh, whatever PayPal or, or whatever you're going to use. 
and uh, so that all you have to do is worry about this is my product and, and this is the content I use to reach people and, and sell my product. And that, that makes your life so much simpler. Now, you know, there's, there's some people who are technical. So th this advice you know, probably doesn't make sense for them. You almost have to switch that advice around. They handle the technical and they might want to spend money on, on content creators, you know, someone who'll spend a bit of time either writing articles or, uh, you know, writing the sales copy for their sales page to sell the product, those areas where require some kind of writing skill, which may not be their strength. So really what, what it is, it's about looking at your your uh, constraints. I'm a really big fan of a concept called the theory of constraints, which is a, a manufacturing concept that uh, came about primarily from like the Toyota manufacturing process. And it simply looks at a system for manufacturing an, a, a product and finds the, the weakest point. That's what the constraint is. So, and the thing is when you have a system, especially something like Toyota, Toyota uses this crazy uh, process where everything is dependent on everything else in real time. So if one thing breaks down, the entire system no, no longer functions. And they did that deliberately because it forced every department in the manufacturing process to be tip top, highly effective, highly efficient, because any moment they went down for one second, no more cars were being built. So everyone in every department has to be on top of the game. And it also uh, forced efficiency for, for the whole system, like peak efficiency. And you can take that idea with what you're doing as well. You, there's a process. We're all executing a process to sell what we sell. And if you go back over the process, there'll be something in it that's not performing, that's holding back everything else. And it's, it's actually quite easy to see the better you get an understanding of internet marketing because you start to see everything's connected. You see that you need a website designed to attract people to your email list. Your email list then sends traffic to content to build trust and educate people. Then that traffic is directed to a sales page to buy a product and then deliver that product. And at each of those points, there's conversion rates and engagement. So it doesn't matter if you've got a great converting sales page if no one's joining your email list at the start of that process. So your constraint is that email list acquisition. So you go back there and go, oh, well, that's what I need to fix. I need to get more people coming onto my email list. And when you start to ask that question, you kind of realize and go, wait a sec, it's actually not my email list that's not working. I don't have any traffic. There's not enough traffic going to even seeing my opt-in page. So even though you built this whole system all the way back at the very, very start, you're missing a key ingredient, which is enough traffic coming through the system to see if it even works. And chances are it doesn't work, but you don't have enough traffic to even find out where it's not working. So, you know, it could be that your your landing page offer is not good enough, or it could be your sales page copy is not good enough. You don't know because you don't have enough traffic going through to, to see where the holes are. So you have to go back and look at the constraint, and it's the first constraint, the strength that's a, holding up the rest of the process. And that's actually a great way to kind of figure out where your potential weaknesses are that could be done by other people. So, you know, if you go back and you realize that it's your landing page, you know, you've got, let's say you're, you're actually starting to get some traffic coming through. You're, you're doing a bit of marketing, maybe doing some Facebook ads, maybe doing some, some guest writing, some podcasting, whatever it is that you do for marketing. And then every, when people hit your landing page, you're getting one out of a hundred signing up to it then that's a weakness in your landing page. A 1% conversion rate on a landing page is terrible. It should be at least up to the 10% minimum, ideally 20, 30%.
So, you know, that's your weakness. In that case, you probably look at it and go, well, I need to start rewriting the copy. Or if you go, you know what, I don't even know how to rewrite the copy. I don't even know where the weakness is here. Let's hire someone who knows a bit more about marketing and copy to potentially do a rewrite of this landing page because it's a major piece of your puzzle for making your online business work. There's your weakness. There's where you need help. Go hire someone, even if it's just once to review. It might only be like a headline and three dot points on an opt-in form. It's not a lot, but one change to that by someone who's skilled can make all the difference. So why not spend $100 for one consulting call to get that fixed? How many people are on your team right now? Uh, at the moment, we've got about eight people uh, all, all around the world uh, doing things like customer service, technical support, graphic design, project management. And of course, me, <laughs> that's what it looks like. Yeah, you mentioned some of the work they do. What is one thing that saves you the most time that you outsource or hire? Well, for me, the, the very first two people I hired, and they, to be completely honest, you know, I've only had this sort of number of people in the last year or so, two years. For most of my business, I relied on two core tech people who I recommend everyone gets first, not, not tech people, but two people. Um, and then you can get other people for spot jobs, but in terms of ongoing support, the most important two people are that are the tech person, so the person who builds the website, makes the changes, because that's kind of ongoing. You're always tweaking copy or getting a new opt-in form set up or so on. So you, you need ongoing maintenance, ongoing tech setup. Uh, even if you're you know, using a service like lead pages and doing those sorts of things, it, it just slows you down having to set all that up yourself. You want to be doing the, the marketing and the content. The other job, which I got help with many, many years ago early on what is customer support or basically email support. Uh, my, but prior to doing what I do today, which is teaching blogging and being a blogger myself, I had an editing company focused on uh, international students where English was a second language and I connected them with uh, academic professors, PhD graduates and offered an editing service. And the, the email, sorry, the business was primarily based on email. So I had a website and then a client would purchase an editing package and basically email in their work and we would forward the work between the client and the, the editor. Uh, and it's a simple idea, forward email back and forth. But what happens is it's uh, there's a lot of time constraints on it. People need their, you know, have to hand in their essay in a certain amount of time. So we have to be on the ball. And in fact, we even charged, but our pricing structure was based on turnaround time. So if it was lower, uh, if it was like a speedier turnaround time, we charge 50% more. So it was, it was basically good money in being able to offer great email customer service. We had to return, we had to see the job come in quickly. We had to get it to the editor quickly. We had to make sure the editor responded quickly and get it back to the client quickly. And that required uh, not a lot of work, but a lot of attention to the inbox to make sure we didn't lose time. So the day that I hired a, a a person to take over the email, it freed up a crazy amount of time for me. And that was a lesson I took forward ever since. So that was all the way back in like 2003. And ever since that point, no matter what business I've had, email and tech have been the two things I have people handle for me from as soon as I can. Now, maybe in a brand new business where I've got no emails coming in yet, I won't do it from day one, but I probably will do it very, very soon because, uh, you know, even just doing basic things with customer service, you, you want to have at least sort of a virtual assistant part-time contractor 
standing by who can help you with the more administration stuff until the emails start coming in, until the customers start asking questions. They can man the live support on your, your sales pages as well. We have that live chat. So there's a lot of things like that that a customer service person can do. And there's nothing that nothing more that I find slows down the growth of a business than you personally having to get up every day and go into your inbox and reply to emails that probably don't lead to getting customers. Maybe one out of 10 do, but there's so much time kind of spent there just dealing with, you know, queries and questions and putting out fires that are basic little administration things. That's what a great customer service person can help you with. Let's come to present day. I want to talk about your work ethic and when do you do your best work? Uh, well, it's not a case of what well, is a case of when do I do my best work, but also what work I'm doing. You know, everyone should know what their core value is to the company they're they're working on, and uh, ideally, that's why you hire people to get every other job out of your way so you can spend as much time on your your core value. For me, I've known. For at least since I started this business, I, I've been blogging for uh, over 10 years now, and I've been teaching it since 2007, so about eight years of being a teacher in this subject area. And I, I within a few years, realized that writing and content creation was a strength for me. So certainly, you know, creating blog posts, creating Facebook posts, creating teaching webinars that lead to the products that I create. All those things. I create product. I create coaching. I create you know video training. I create audio training. Um, I do podcasts too. So anytime I'm creating content, whether it's free or product to be sold, or you know when I say free, it's free on my own stuff. But also it can be free to market my business, like uh, you know a guest post for someone or a podcast interview, like we're doing right now. So you know that's for me the the highest value. It's it's my strength to be able to teach and deliver content. So. Um, you know, that's really the, the most important thing. But even that job, I find kind of changes like right now, as you're talking to me, I'm currently looking to hire someone to do something that I've done since the beginning. And I've always been hesitant to hand off, which is writing emails, uh, as in I don't mean customer service emails. I mean, emails in your funnels, in your sequences, in your business. So emails that sell your products and services and emails that deliver your products and services, uh, you know, everything that runs the machine that is an online business. It's very much powered by email. And that's been me. I've been the one who, you know, creates the welcome emails on the on the downloads on the when a person buys a product, creates the sequence of messages they get after they buy a product so that they actually use it, you know, creates the marketing sequence that sells the product before that. So I, I create all my funnels. And uh, that's a constraint. Uh, I can only write so many emails and there's a, an irony. The more time I spend writing emails, the less time I spend creating content that actually gets me new customers. So you, you get this kind of dilemma where you're either working on things that help with what you already have, like the people who are ready your customers or the people who are ready your subscribers, or you spend time attracting new subscribers and you can't, you can't do both 100% of the time. So you're always kind of doing a little less marketing to do a little bit more with your current customers. And then you stop doing that and go back to marketing to do a, a launch or to get new customers. But then you're not building the things behind the machine. So my job right now or with my team and anyway, my project manager, we're hiring a copywriter. So to theoretically, we find someone that because this is hard for me because I've been a writer for so long. It's hard to see someone else's writing in my emails. <laughs> so assuming that works, then. 
they'll be able to write sequences in my company, which will potentially, you know, double or triple the speed at which we can do things simply because I won't be a constraint in that area. So I could even go back to, you know, more regular blogging or more regular guest posting or whatever it is I decide to do with that time. Uh, and, or even just more product creation because you get a lot of value out of that. And, and I think the next level is even hiring someone to do product creation. You know, we do a little bit of that with bonuses and reports. I don't write them. Other people do. But in terms of creating core training, it's still 100% me. So there's always ways, you know, you can start doing less to do more of what you're really, really good at and what will grow your business. But there's, it's like an incremental process, you know, and it, that's why it's hardest for anyone listening to this who's new. There's so many jobs to do and you're probably it. Maybe there's a tiny bit of money for those other roles, as I said, customer service and tech. And then you get that sorted and you have to keep your cash flow growing in order to bring on new people so you can do other things to keep the cash flow growing and so on. So it's that I was a, a juggle between cash flow and uh, finding good people and, and what your own role is. It's been such a great conversation so far, Yarrow. And I have one final question for you. Let's talk about happiness. So what brings you joy and really makes you happy in this life? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm like every human being. You know, I, I, I won't deny that. <laughs> making money as part of my business. It's, I, I, I will never not get a kick of seeing a, a PayPal or a Stripe payment come in. And now that you get it on your phone, it's even more addictive, right? You get a ping on your phone, you make money. So there's that. Uh, I think all entrepreneurs will say that's cool. Uh, but outside of that, I think it's also just what your business does for people. Like I, uh, unfortunately, it's, it's not as frequent as I like, but every time someone comes back to me and they said, you know, I'd followed what you did and now I'm making a full-time income from my online business. I no longer am in the job I hate. You know, I love to sort of highlight these case studies because uh, it's important for my own self-esteem to see this stuff works for other people and they do it in different markets. And, you know, they go on to change lives in, in whatever way they do it, you know? So that's a really big thrill for me. And, and I, for me, a lot of the the motivation behind my entire current business has been the idea of getting people out of jobs they don't like and into some kind of business that gives them the freedom to do what they want to do. And that could be, you know, a small business that just makes them five to 10,000 a month so they can spend their time on a, you know, learning the guitar or traveling or, which is more often the case, someone really has a spark and they want to turn it into a you know, million dollar business and affect millions of other people. So there's a wonderful kind of um, runoff effect where, you know, I help a few thousand people, but those few thousand people, maybe a few hundred of them rise up and become teachers and trainers who go on to reach, you know, a few hundred to a few thousand to even millions themselves. And there's, there's a real like a pyramid scheme almost here where I, I can spark an effect to hit millions of people across the planet simply by writing a blog post sometimes, you know, which is incredible. So I think that's what I love about the Internet, this idea that I think podcasting is such a good example. You know, I, I'm always blown away by a number of people will say, oh, I listened to your podcast and, and you know, I got this from you or I got this from your guest or something like that. And, uh, you know, just being just having that influence and engaging with people and making a positive impact on their life is really, really cool, especially because of the internet, because it's so global and you can reach so many people. So that, that really floats my boat. And that's, that's still, no matter what I do, the idea of having your ideas, your writing, your speaking, 
your video, whatever it is you do, reach a lot of people. And then if you make a bunch of money from doing it as a, as a side effect of running a great business, that's to me is like the perfect kind of business. So, you know, I love that. Great answer. Yara, what's the best way to find your line and connect with you? Uh, the simplest answer is just to remember my name, Y-A-R-O, Yaro, and you Google that and you'll get my blog and everything, my podcast as a, a first result or somewhere in the first three within Google. Uh, it also gets you like my podcast and YouTube channel and so on. But if you want specific training on setting up a blog to sell what you what you sell, your knowledge, then uh, the blogprofitsblueprint.com to get my free report. Yara Stark, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for coming in. Thanks for having me, Simon. Thank you for listening to Entrepreneur Decoded. For killer resources and free content, go to entrepreneurdecoded.com.